Well, good evening, everybody. For those of you who were not here last week, uh, we're Stephen Ellie Markham, and uh, we uh, we were drafted into doing this by Tim some a month or two ago, and uh, so uh, we're glad. We're glad in Tim's absence that we can be here. Can you hear me, Jim? Not very good. It needs to be turned up. It doesn't matter. They're both turned. This needs to be turned up. But anyway, uh, Jim's going to turn us up. Uh, you know, we're glad to be here. We, as we said last week, uh, we've been married 50, just just turned over 50 years, and so uh, that doesn't make us an expert, but it does. We do uh, have made a lot of mistakes that hopefully you won't. Okay, so I think that's one of the values of having somebody that's been down the road like we have. Somebody asked me how old she was when I married her, she, 10 years old. So, no, not really. Uh, but let's, uh, let me pray for us, and then we'll begin. Father, thank you for this day. Lord, this is a day that you've made, and we will rejoice and be glad in it. Lord, just thank you for the opportunity we have to get together with brothers and sisters that are on the journey with us. And, God, we just ask that you'd uh, give us ears to hear tonight, hearts open to receive and lord just uh, for ellie and i give us insight and understanding god just uh, what you would have us to share lord our desire is to see brothers and sisters bless their marriages bless and lord they walk away from here uh, encouraged and so we just ask you to surround us uh, room with your love holy spirit we ask that you would come now and that you would just bless this time we thank you for it in jesus name amen good Thanks, Jim. Well, anyway, as I said to you, we are tonight, we're going to be talking, and once we get to video here, just for just a short video, we're talking about conflict, how to deal with conflict, and uh, Lord knows we've had enough of them, okay? Uh, you know, I was just trying to think our most recent one, it hadn't been that long ago, okay? Uh, as any married couple... We have those times where we disagree, and generally it's over the little stuff. It's not the big stuff, it's the little stuff. And I said to you last week, where you run into problems is where the same thing keeps circling you. You know, you have a problem, disagreement, something pops up, and you deal with it, and you think it's over, and a month later... The same thing pops up, or it's been popping up through the last five years of your marriage. It's that same old thing. Well, you know, when those same old things keep happening in your marriage, that's when I, as we said to you last week, you know, we encourage you to get help. And help is not a sign of weakness. Help is a sign of strength. And we've got incredible folks here at Bellevue that can help you. Uh, probably there are uh, folks and uh, our teachers in our life group that can help you. Uh, you know, uh, Ellie and I offered our help last week. If there are those of you that need that, uh, you know, we'd be willing to do that. But, but get help. We would not, as I said to you last week, be standing up here had we gone through some rocky times in our marriage that a, that a third party helped us. We wouldn't be here. And, uh, you know, I think it's happened. You know, 50 years, a lot of water runs under the bridge in 50 years. We have two children, 
And those children have gone through some rocky times themselves in their marriage. We've had to walk through uh, a divorce or two, uh, you know, that we thought would never happen. And how, how we handled those. Uh, we've got two grandchildren that we love dearly. And so far, they're, they're our pride and joy. And they're not really old enough to get into much trouble yet. But, uh, but anyway... Uh, and we've lost loved ones. You know, we have one parent left. Uh, Ellie's parents are gone. She grew up here in Memphis. Her parents are gone. And my mother's 91, still alive. And uh, my dad died a long time ago in 1985. And so we've walked through some difficult times like that. And so, uh, you know, but conflict and conflict resolution uh, is is so important in how to deal with it. And one of the things that is, I think you need to look at in your marriages, when you have those arguments that come up again and again, why is this happening? And I'll give you a personal example of what I'm talking about. It seemed like every time we would get an argument, I don't care if it was whether or not I forgot to pick up the dry cleaning or whether he pull something that I didn't like, it always centered again around to I'm not good enough. That's the way I responded to every single fight argument we ever had. I'm not good enough. That's right. I can never be good enough, no matter how much, you know, how much I do. And so what, through enough time and enough conversation and enough time on our knees, we've circled it back around. And this is a lifelong pattern with me. It was that way with my mom. My daddy (laughs) thought I was pretty wonderful. But my mom, I could never be good enough for my mom. She was a perfectionist and, and whatnot. And my older sister was a straight-A student all the way through many master's degrees. (laughs) She was a straight-A student, and Ellie's was just having fun and just hoping to get through. And so that just emphasized how I was not good enough because I wouldn't apply myself, you know, that sort of thing. And it finally came to a point, I thought, if I can't be good enough, I'm just going to quit trying. So I went through a total time of rebelling against everything and made a real mess. But what we found in that is that I, it was my problem that I needed to deal with. And I'll give you, if you, any of you, I saw a few nods when I was talking. Uh, a book called Search for Significance. You yeah, write, write that down. Search, Search for, for significance. significance, yes. It is powerful, wonderful. And what it, it will do is it will take you back to the beginning God chose you. God chose me. He made me like he made me for a purpose. Not that I can't always get better and and stronger and mature with him and him teach me things. But I can't use that argument anymore because it doesn't count anymore. Because Jesus showed me. He loves me. He made me like I am. I have my strengths and my weaknesses, and those are to be um, built on and, and mature in. So that was an example of if you keep circling around, you know, with your arguments, those kinds of things. Um, our video here, when it comes up, will take us through some conflict resolution 
situations. Well, maybe comments or questions. We don't want to just rush through that because there was a lot there. But anything, any questions or comments on it? You know, let, let me, one thing that, that Dr. Hart said was that's so important. What does the race say? I don't see it. So that's not race. No. No. Anyway. Let me, let me give you an example. One of the last things that he said was that make sure your anger is short-lived. All right, let me, let me give you an example. You're, you're moving along, and, man, bad, isn't it? This, this is where the anger happens, whatever the event is, all right? This is the event right here. Whatever caused it, whatever she did to make you angry, guys, right? This, this point over here is where you make up or you work through it, right? Happened here, this is where you make up or work through it. This area here is the danger zone. One of the reasons, one of the reasons Dr. Hart said that it needs to be it needs, this needs to be, this area here needs to be short is because that's where the enemy will work. All right? The longer it is between the point of, of the situation, whatever caused the anger, the conflict, the disagreement, and the point at which you're able to work through it, the longer you do that, the greater the opportunity the enemy has to move in and create all sorts of things. The same way, the enemy will bring other people into that void. All right? That's when you are most susceptible to hearing other people or, or if there's a tendency out there or if there's someone tracking you, guys or ladies, either way. They will appeal to you in this void area here. And you're very open to that. And the enemy is behind all of it. His whole goal, understand, is to destroy your marriage. Understand that. That from day one, from the day you said I do, Satan's goal ultimately is to separate you, destroy your marriage, destroy your home. That's, that's a fact. That is a fact. And so what I'm saying to you, and what he said, make sure this distance is short. Don't let it go long. Don't allow the enemy the rights. Don't allow other people to interject their thoughts or things. Yeah, you know, I understand why you're feeling. I understand the way he is. You know, that type of thing. Or if someone's, someone's on the prowl looking for you, that's when they're going to move into that particular area. And so let me just encourage you. Make sure that area is very short. I'm not don't sure I got go. all the points down, but he said, number one, that we need to slow down the process. Yeah. Okay? When the anger erupts, okay, don't escalate it by feeding it and, and yelling back and, and letting it escalate that. You slow it down and say, wait a minute, why, 
why are we even angry? Why, what, what are we fighting over? Sometimes we know and sometimes we don't. Sometimes it's because we got up on the wrong side of the bed like the other uh, Smalley was talking about. You know, it's just one of those days. And, and if it is, then we just say, say I'm sorry. Let's get over this. <laughs> you know, it's not worth it kind of deal. You know, because if we let it go, it will erupt. And it, it's just like kindling. And we just keep throwing more firewood on it, you know. But we slow down the process. And, or by saying, this is how I'm feeling. I'm feeling ignored, unappreciated. And at that point, he has a choice. He can say, I'm sorry, precious one. You know, that was an excellent supper. I know you put a lot of effort into it. Or he can say, well, you could try a little harder. You know, and you can see where the explosion comes from. Okay? He, he, not anymore. <laughs> I'm a pretty good, strong girl. You know, but you see what I'm saying? Sometimes it's just a matter of backing off and saying, why are we even fighting? You know, something she brought up was don't let the sun set on your anger. It was very good. Again, you know, Ellie and I have tried. I wish I could say in 50 years we never went to bed and went to sleep mad, but it's been very rare. You know, it's very difficult, our prayer time. And I'll tell you what COVID did for us as much as anything. During COVID, I'm telling you, it was a frightening time, probably for all of us in this room. You know, when you lose family members, you see close friends who are suddenly here, and then they're gone. And then you know that, hey, it could be any one of us, our family. Well, it and did, you, you know. it to your family. <laughs> yeah, it really drew us together, our prayer life, as far as a couple. And so, you know, it's really difficult to go to bed at night, and we pray each evening together uh, if you're mad at each other. All right, it really, it really uh, has a way of diffusing whatever anger is there, you know. It's always, hey, I'm sorry, I love you, and, and, then, and then our prayer time. So, you know, the longer, again, I come back to this, you know, she said, don't let the sun, you know, let me encourage you. Don't, don't go to bed at night angry at each other. If there's any way, don't, don't get into bed back to back and uh, just... Uh, just, just don't do that, all right? Trying to make a commitment to each other. Hey, we're not going to do that. We'll stay up and talk or whatever we got to do, but let's, let's don't let this thing carry on. Another thing the professor brought out was don't blame or criticize. Hear me, people. Don't blame or criticize. This is all your fault. I want you to know. It, it accomplishes nothing but more anger. If you were a bigger person, or if you, you know, if we criticize, if we bring things up, we blame each other, we're not going to accomplish anything healthy. And so we just have to lay it down until we can talk about whatever the issue is in a civilized manner to be able to um, resolve the conflict, whatever that might be. And another thing I love, this is never bring a family member into it. If he really wants to light my fire, all he has to do is say, you're just like your mother. I'll say, Joyce. Yeah. All right, Joyce. That's all I have to do. Anymore, okay. it's a funny thing. But for years. 
<laughs> yeah, those are fighting words. Because the last person on earth I wanted to be like was my mom. And so we it's not healthy, people. Don't do it. One, if that family member is still alive, it can draw more wedges there. Okay, it can create conflict within the family, and that poor family member doesn't know what's going on. You know, you just naturally have this dislike for them uh, type of thing. So uh, be very careful in that. Don't get in the habit of saying you're just like your dad or you're just like your brother or you're just like, you know, your mom kind of thing. You know, last week I mentioned something to you about something called home of origin. All of us come into a marriage bringing all our stuff that we grew up doing. You know, the things we like to do, our traditions. You know, we're getting ready. You know, the holidays are getting ready to be here. You know, for us, that was a, uh, that was a challenge to work through. Her, her family and the holidays and things were strikingly different from our family in the holidays. And how we came to common ground. Uh, where we, You know, there's only one Christmas Eve, right? There's not two of them. And so, you know, where are you going to be on Christmas Eve? Or, you know, our families, both families want us on Christmas Eve. Or where are you going to be on Christmas Day? And, you know, all that. Then the kids came along. You know, just a couple of years ago, uh, we've always, in our marriage, been a family together on Christmas Eve. And then we have, in years past, we would leave here and on Christmas Day, drive to Indiana to be with my mom and our family there. And then we were with Ellie's family during Christmas Eve day or the day before. And so we had it all worked out. Well, now we have two grandchildren. And my son informed us a couple of years ago, uh, you know, we don't want to go to Indiana on Christmas Day. We want our kids to wake up, and, you know, we still have Santa Claus, you know. That's another whole discussion with people, but we still, and when they were little, they, and they said, you know, we want our kids to wake up in the morning and see what Santa Claus brought them, and we don't want to have to jump in a car and drive six hours. So we're not going. Wow. Now, that changed things radically for us, but it didn't cause a problem. You know, we were just saying, we said to our Indiana family, hey, folks, we won't be there on Christmas Day. We can come the day after Christmas if, if that's okay. Well, they up there said, hey, that's fine. You know, we'll do our deal, and we'll just plan as a family to get together on the day after Christmas. But that could have been a major deal. But my son and understanding them, they want to have their own tradition and their way of doing things at their home. They invite us over for breakfast that morning, and that's kind of become a new tradition over the last two or three years. And, you know, it's just, it's just a matter. But those things have ways of creating incredible friction and division in families. And, you know, I don't know how you all have worked it out, but it's, it's, it's a give-and-take type deal, you know. And we had to do it. Her, her mother, God bless her soul, her mother insisted that we were at her house on Christmas Eve, and she didn't care about anybody else, what anybody else thought. Okay, that was the rule, right? Yeah. And so we lived with that. And my folks on the other side said, hey, no problem. We'll, we'll be happy whenever you can come. Of course, we were here, and then we were in Houston and all, but that was, that was the rule. So, you know, 
you know, it could have been major problems. It could have been conflict. All right, before we leave anger, I want to point out one more thing that we saw on the video. He said behind all anger is fear, hurt, or frustration. Fear, hurt, or frustration. I think those are three words that you need to, to write down and think about. And think about conflicts in your home. What is causing this? If, especially in those recurring arguments. What is behind this? If it's fear, let's talk about this fear. When we can be calm, when we can be rational, where does this fear come from? Why is it working this way in our home? And is this something we need to do some spiritual warfare with to, to put this to rest? Hurt, okay? Just like my example early on about not being good enough. It was a hurt that was just within me that had to be healed up. And being able to recognize that hurt and then allow the Lord to work in that hurt. And even now, when things come up, I'll say, danger zone. You know, this you're getting too close here. You see, because it's it's coming back at me type of thing. Uh, if, if you've been around Brother Steve and Donna very long, you've heard him tell about Donna saying, be nice, be sweet. And that's something that I think probably all men have heard at some point, and you need to hear it. <laughs> be nice and be sweet because we're women are like a flower, and every time you hurt us, a petal will fall off. And when all the petals are gone, there's nothing left here to give back. And so I will say things like when he says something that hurts me, I'll say, now that was tacky. Or that was mean. You know, and so then he, he has the choice whether we escalate or whether we talk about it in what happened. Because that's the way it, it, it works with me. I'm sure his button, you know, his buttons are completely different than that. But it's it's that type of thing. And then the third part, the hurt, and then the last one was frustration. That's kind of like the laundry situation that he was talking about. It just that yang yang kind of thing. You're just frustrated. It's just a crummy day. It, I had one of those days yesterday, and so before we went to bed, he said, are you all right? You know, have I done something? And I said, no, I'm tired. I'm just tired. It's just bedtime. You know, and so it was just bedtime, and we so we went to bed. <laughs> you know, and but rather, you know, in years past, we would have had a good row about it before we ever got around to Ellie was just tired. <laughs> but being able to own it, and and do something about it, you see what I'm saying? So look at your trigger points, and in times of um, peace, <laughs> or in the beginning, to be able to discuss those. Uh, where they don't don't come into something big. You know, Ellie mentioned fear. If any of you are in second marriages here, you you obviously, whether you like to admit it or not, you brought with you uh, stuff from the first one. Okay, you can't. It's uh, like we did from our homes of origin. Yeah, same thing. But you obviously brought in some reasons for the first one. Uh, that that it didn't work. You know, I remember Dr. Rogers so clearly saying, even a thin pancake has two sides. I'll never forget that. And that's always true in marriage, you know, and particularly those that split. Generally, they split for reasons that they should have never split over. 
But again, remember, the enemy is alive and well if he can split you. But those fears that came out of that first relationship are things generally that need to be dealt with or they stay with you and they can cloud your next relationship. So let me just encourage you, you know, all that stuff, whatever it was, and you may have caused it or you may have been the recipient of it. You know, it doesn't matter. It does not matter. You're still both dealing with issues that need to be resolved and fear and anger and things like that are a part of it. You want to hand those out? Yeah. And I'll go, I'll go ahead and start on this other. Um, uh, in this situation with anger, conflict, there, at the bottom of it all, there has to be forgiveness. And I wanted to cover that very quickly, and then we'll discuss this sheet if we have any time left. But um, throughout the Bible, we're taught about God's mercy his grace to forgive us of all our sins. God also instructs us to forgive one another. And if you've been married very long, you know that there is there are always cases that we must forgive each other. Philippians 4:32 says, "And be kind to one another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, even as God in Christ forgave you." Then Colossians 3:13 says, "Bearing with one another and forgiving one another." If anyone has a complaint against another, even as Christ forgave you, so you also must do. You see the pattern here. We must walk in unity and with love for each other. And this goes for the world, of course, everybody, but especially in our homes. If we can't be kind and tender-hearted, forgiving one another in our home, then what hope do we have? And then the last verse I want to give you tonight, because it's so crucial is for if you forgive men their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive men their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. Do you hear what he's saying? He's saying if you don't forgive, God won't forgive. That's a hard line, but it's true. And it's stated over and over throughout the Scriptures. And so forgiveness must be a part of, of our lives it could be something huge like infidelity a trust issue a financial mess up you know it could be um a drug issue it could be a million different things of why you a, a couple need forgiveness in their relationship or it could be all those yang-yangs that meet up that make misery when it was not big in the beginning. But I want us to look at just three quick steps in forgiveness. The first one is repent. If you are the guilty one, you must repent before God and also before the, the one that you have wronged. We need to confess our sin if we are to be forgiven. We also need to confess our sin of unforgiveness. When you realize that you're holding something against your spouse, you're just fed up, you have unforgiveness in your heart, and you've got to face it, and you've got to deal with it. And that goes for if they have asked for forgiveness or not. You've got to deal with it. Whether you are the guilty party or you are the, the wrong party, and you've got unforgiveness toward them. So you repent of it. 
Number two is you have to walk through it. Scripture tells us in Galatians 6, 7, whatever a man sows, that will he also reap. God forgives. Your spouse may or may not forgive. All right? But you still have the consequences of that sin. Okay? And so in walking out those consequences, you have to be very open about it. For example, if there's a problem with dishonesty and lying, then people will tend not to believe you. And you've got to understand your spouse is not going to believe you because you've repeatedly lied. And so you've got to be open enough to say, okay, honey, here is my phone. I'm going to such and such place, and you're welcome to track me on my phone or, you know, put one of those app things on it. Whatever it is that you have lied about, you've got to be open enough to accept the consequences of your actions until that, that um, trust can be rebuilt. And let me just add there, there's no time frame when you say that's enough, okay? I mean, it's, for some people, that trust can be built back. It doesn't take long. In other situations, it may take years. All right? So there's no quick fix, and there's no time frame you say that's enough. All right? That's a part of being able to forgive and receive forgiveness and to walk in, you know, as Ellie said, sowing and reaping. Sowing and reaping. That's a part of it. So, like, if a person has a problem with stealing, the people are always watching. Just know that you're going to be watched. And that's the price I pay because I was dishonest and I have sticky fingers or, you know, whatever. Uh, in a situation of unfaithfulness, realizing there is a lack of love there, there's a lack of trust there, there's a lack of independence there. And so you need to be open and honest about your life in that, the trust can be rebuilt. In other words, you say, I did it. I deserve it. I'm living with it because this relationship is that important to me. And hopefully the, the trust issues, the love issues, all of that will be rebuilt. And then the third part of that of forgiveness is to be restored. And in that restoration, it's daily walking with God, receiving his supply of peace, joy, trust, and provision. It's in your walk with the Lord that you're going to be built back up, whether your spouse is there yet or not, in, re in returning that, that love relationship, okay? But you're, you're going to get your supply from the Lord where it should be coming from all along. You know, that's one of the things I've told women so many times for so many years we think oh god oh god just give me a husband and i promise i'll be happy for the rest of my life well we're kind of like king saul you know the children of israel and they said oh god give us a king we want a king like everybody else please and we'll be happy until we get him and then she said if she's got ever got rid of this and she'd never have another one i know i shouldn't have said it i think i hurt his feelings but you know it you know uh, <laughs> what can you say? If something uh, happens to me, we've got all these folks in here. You all make sure, make sure. 
Well I, I, well, I told our church one time when we were still in Indiana, I said, ladies, I want you to know something. He's mine, and you keep your hands off of him. But if anything ever happens to me, somebody marry him quick so you can help him find his socks for the funeral. I mean, it, I mean, it, it's that bad. And so you can understand why I'm not so anxious to have another one. But anyway... <laughs> You got to be in this relationship. You got to be restored and have that trust rebuilt. But receive. And the whole point of that story was we get our. <laughs> I knew I had a point somewhere. Uh, we get our supply from the Lord. A man is never going to meet my needs, a hundred percent. It's impossible. And pe women, we're we're so guilty. Oh God, give me children. Give me children, and I'll be happy. Well, then you get them and you think, why won't they behave? You know why? And, you know, all those things. Nobody can meet our needs except the Lord. And so don't let these tragedies happen before you start getting your supply from the Lord because the closer you are walking, and men, the same thing with you, the closer you're walking with the Lord, the more you're getting your supply from the Lord, the better you will be to your wife the better your marriage will be. It just is. Today, we were, you know, we listened to this last night, and, and then, you know, we've been studying and whatnot, and there's another scripture that says that women, you're to love your wives like Christ loved the church and gave himself for it. Women, respect your husbands. Well, how many times have I heard that scripture? But I was just chewing on it. What is respect? I mean, I know what respect for my elders are. Yes, ma'am. No, sir. You know, be nice and smile and, you know. But what is that with my husband? And so I was praying about that this morning and just asking, Lord, to show me how to respect him, what that meant with us. And, and just choosing those things in ways that I can honor him and love him through respecting him, building him up and being grateful for the man that he is, the provider he is, the partner that he is. And so we build each other up in that. All right, before we're out, y'all want, want to start here? Right. Yeah, well, let's uh, <laughs> stop real quick. We don't want to miss a question. You may have a question. And a lot of times we go through these with that. Anything particular that you say, I just need to ask that. Anybody? Okay, we're not, okay. Flip over to the back to the diagram. I, I want my wife to kind of, this is so good. This is something we've had used for years. This yeah, is the personality. You may have seen it before, okay? The personalities that I referred to last week, those of you that were here, and um, I just wanted to give you this reference. And when we talked about how to get along with each other and how to understand each other, um, you can see this. This came from Tim LaHaye a million years ago. Um, some of y'all are into probably into the into, intimate, how you say that? Enneagrams, yeah. You know, that kind of thing. I've, I've read through it, but I've not really gotten into it. And there's all kinds of these personality things around, but they all boil down to pretty much the same strengths and, and weaknesses and that kind of thing. So if you understand your mate, you can better understand how to deal with them, yeah. and then they can better understand you and your needs and why you react and things the way that you do. 
you know, some of the stuff's really funny. I mean, it really is that you look at this diagram and you go, that's why she does what she does. That's who she is. I wish I'd have known that in the beginning. You know, I might not have made that choice. <laughs> not really. <laughs> but not really. But we are opposite. We are so opposites. But the fact is we all know opposites attract. And, and that's why. But sometimes after we've made the decision to get married, that oppositeness rubs us the wrong way. Okay? Because we don't do it that way. And, you know, what we've learned over 50 years, she has become more like me, and I've become more like her. That, that's just the way marriage works. And that's the beauty of it. And, and I rejoice in the way God made her. You know, she makes me look good. She fills in the cracks of my life that, that need to be filled with, with the way she is. And it's vice versa. And so... You know, we give you that, just something to go home and look at, think about. But understand that your partner operates the way God made them. And it's just inherent in us. And some of it is not, is at certain times, rubs you the wrong way. And that's what we're talking about tonight. It's just the ability to understand that conflict is going to happen. There are going to be those things. Make it short. Make this window very short because the longer you allow it to, to keep you separated, the more the enemy will prowl in there to destroy what God has put together. All right? All right yeah. Before we close, I want us to go over this list of Flip 10 steps. Flip over the other side. Yeah, yeah, the other side of your paper. The 10 steps that will help you in your marriage in general, but also in dealing with conflict and anger. Number one, slam the divorce door. Yeah. People do not use that word. Go ahead and remove it from your vocabulary. Yeah. It has no place. Well, if I'd known this, I just why don't we just divorce? If you don't like it, why don't we just divorce? Well, you say that about the tenth or the twelfth or the hundredth time, and you're looking up lawyers on your phone. Yeah. I've started to say phone book, but y'all don't use phone books anymore. Um, <laughs> But, you know, you see what I'm saying? It, it opens that door. It allows the enemy just to keep on hammering at you, slam the divorce door. He was so romantic. He asked me to marry him. He said there are three conditions. <laughs> Number one, though, we will not get divorced. And, you know, there have been times in this 50 years, that's the only reason we didn't get divorced. It's because he said we won't get divorced. We made that commitment. We've had grounds. But we said we won't get divorced. And so we were determined to work it out. Slam the door tonight if you've not slammed it yet. Number two, admit to yourself that you're not perfect. <laughs> we need to grow in humility. Each and every single one of us, we need to grow in humility. Lord, let me be humble. Let me prefer him in these situations. I don't have to have my way, Lord. Show me that. Admit to ourselves we're not perfect. Number three, accept the fact that your partner has weaknesses. It's on the sheet. Yeah. I to Steve, told, I told you last week, he said I had a demon of procrastination. It's on the sheet. 
<laughs> it doesn't say demon, it just says procrastination. But you see, I mean, it was true, and now I'm this fanatical list maker. And so I make sure that, you know, the list gets done so that I don't create issue, issues. Here, That's here's right. Here's your list for tonight. You know, so, right? you know, I, but realize the weaknesses that we have, both of us. And then number four, thank God for your partner every single day. Yes. Just start, you know, that old hymn, you may have heard it. Count your blessings, name them one by one. Be grateful for your spouse, even in your anger. Say, Lord, he is the strongest willed man I have ever met in my life. You know, but it has been so good for me because throughout my life, I lived gray and he was black or white. There's no such color as gray in him. It's only black or white. And so I have grown over many long years to be black or white more. There's less gray in my life. And so even in being angry with him, I can thank God for him and for his strengths and for weaknesses. Yes. Question. A little bit, yeah. We live in a world of gray. I think all of you know. I mean, that's, that's a sad deal. First Thessalonians 5.18, it says, And everything give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. Be thankful for your partner. Begin to list their good qualities as you pray for them daily, and it will help you to forgive, and it will help you get over those snits and those angers. Number five, give your partner approval. You know, one of the, probably one of the best things that Steve and I do is that we are partners in ministry. We are so very opposite in everything else that this is our common ground, kind of. And so him giving me approval, like tonight on the way here, y'all won't believe it. This is not really me all the time. But he said, Ellie, I want you to take the lead tonight. I am just empty. I just don't have anything to give. He's been bush hogging all day and so you know for that he would trust me in that y'all don't know how huge that is that he would trust me to take the lead in leading (laughs) you know and so give your partner approval uh in the from daily number six verbalize your love and show it remember last week we talked about the list have any of you made your list come on people make your list Good. Ten ways. Ten, Ten ways. ways to say I love you love me. All right? Remember my list. Okay? Give me flowers. Let me go to bed early. You know, those kinds of things. His list was make love to me, make love to me, make love to me. <laughs> you see? But make the list how how I want to be loved, okay, and then what, how his, he wants to be loved, and then you exchange the notes so that you know, if you want to say I love you, you know exactly how to do it, okay? Number seven, pray for the strengthening of your partner's weaknesses. As you examine his personality on this sheet, you'll see some of those weaknesses pointed out. You'll see they are natural to his personality. 
And so then you can pray specifically for those weaknesses that you might see. Not nag about them, pray about them. Number eight, apologize when you are wrong. People, this face won't be near as big if you'll just apologize. That's right. That's right. I'm sorry. I shouldn't have said it. I don't know why I said it. I shouldn't have said it. I'm sorry. Please forgive me. We're a whole lot better, you know, and honestly, in our last 10 years of that than we've ever been. It just, it just, it diffuses the Life's situation. Life's too short. Exactly. Okay. Um, oh, uh, James 5.16, confess your faults to one another. So apologize when you're wrong. Number nine, accept your partner's temperament and work with it. I married this strong-willed man. I knew he was strong-willed. I didn't know how strong-willed, but I, you know. And so and I accept his temperament and then work with it. He has saved me some, from some major messes. And, you know, where I will operate so many times with my heart, he comes in with a rational answer, and it just makes so much more sense than what I was planning because I was feeling about it, you see. So when you talk about those things and, and let those temperaments work together to build a strong marriage. And then number 10, allow God to work in your life and in your partner's life. None of us are the Holy Spirit. I've tried to be, and he just won't let me. You know, and, and I'm sure he's tried to be. I've told him before he's not God. Um, and so allow God to do the changing. Complain on your knees if you need to complain. And allow God to work in your life, in your marriage, in your partner's life. All right. Our time is quickly gone. Any any questions before we go? Yes. I think you you do it and then yeah. let him put his two cents in. Yeah. For instance, if you don't recognize yourself, really. Uh-huh. Yeah, exactly. And That's I it. think the input is wonderful. And I'll give you my example, too. I am a half and half. I took this personality test in a staff meeting one time. And uh, I said to the moderator, do I answer this like I am at church or like I am at home? <laughs> Tells you a lot about me, doesn't it? And um, so he catches Steve in the hallway later, and he said, your wife is headed for a nervous breakdown. I just want you to know. And so I'd been planning my nervous breakdown for quite some time, and it never was convenient. But what I found in that is I am sanguine, outgoing, responsive, warm, friendly, talkative, enthusiastic, and compassionate when I have a stage. But tonight at home, I am the perfect phlegmatic. I am quiet. I am easygoing. I tend to be dependable, objective, diplomatic, practical, humorous. I will sit in my chair and go hours without speaking. He used to tell our best friends if anything ever happened to him to please come over and check to make sure that I had groceries because I might never leave the house again. 
And that's true. I love being at home. I love being by myself. And I love to be quiet. But you give me a stage, <laughs> and I'm ready. Do you see why I'm, it's a perfect half and half? Now, Steve is a very strong uh, cleric. Did I say that strongly enough? Very strong cleric. You see, and so he's, you know, he's just all there. He doesn't have the split personality. And so in that, you may be split, sort of. And I think all of us, to some extent, have a little bit of this and a little bit of that kind of deal. And, and but the we're older strong. you get, the more you see yourself yeah. and others. Right. So, but yeah, if you have trouble spotting yourself, most definitely. Like, it, that's the thing. And like, from, coming from an inferiority and that kind of thing, I never believed that uh, I had a spiritual gift. And, and people would say, well, you're saved, aren't you? And I'd say, yes. And they said, and then you have to have a spiritual gift. And I said, but I don't see one. You see what I'm saying? I couldn't see anything good in me. Yeah. So it takes sometimes other voices those people that we love and trust to speak into us. All right. Anything else? Again, we don't want to keep you. I know some of you probably got kids in the nursery. So thank you all. We've enjoyed these last two weeks. You're going to get to hear from the shoemakers. I know sometime in the future. I don't know. Next Wednesday night. Okay. So look forward to that. I can tell you it will be good. They've been on this journey longer than we have. even. <laughs> so uh, it, it will be good. Let me pray for us. Father, thank you. Thank you for this time. Thank you, Holy Spirit. And I just pray you would speak to our hearts as we go. Thank you for our marriages. And just pray, God, that you would surround us with your love, your peace, protection. And, Lord, we do bind the enemy tonight in the name of Jesus that he would have no rights, no grounds to attack any of our marriages. And we thank you for that. And, Lord, we just ask as we go, we pray your face would shine upon us. You bless us in Jesus' name. Amen.